Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guests are Dwayne DeRosario and Brendan Dunlop to talk about Dwayne's new memoir. We've had some great guests lately, including Emma Hayes, Christina Uncle, and Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams. So check those out. Now, here's my interview with Dwayne D. Rosario and Brendan Dunlop. Dwayne D. Rosario was recently named one of the top 25 MLS players of all time. He's a four-time MLS Cup champion and 2011 MLS Most Valuable Player. He has a new memoir out called D-Row, My Life, written with longtime Toronto broadcaster Brendan Dunlop, who's a co-host on the Footy Prime podcast. I've read the book. It's terrific. We've got Dwayne and Brendan joining us now. Congrats on the book, guys, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for having me on, on, on the program. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great shows. Happy to be a guest on, uh, on this one with you, man. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, I got lots of questions, guys, uh, but let's start with Dwayne. You're very open in this book about a lot of things, including a childhood in Scarborough, a pretty rough and tumble section of Toronto with friends who stole cars and sold drugs and did a lot of other things. Why did you want to write this book and what made you want to include some things that you did like that when you were growing up? Well, you know, Great question. I've always been open um, when it comes to, to my football and, and, and my experiences. However, I haven't never been open about my personal life. I always kept those two worlds separate um, by design for, for personal reasons. Um, but I just felt it was a good time. The energies you know, came together at the right time with, with Brendan and myself. And, you know, he, he approached me and said, hey, you know what? I've been following you throughout your career. Have you ever thought about, you know, telling your story? Um, I said, no, you know, I, it's funny you said that because I've, I've started to write um, a little bit about my story. However, I probably got to one page and I'm like, man, this is this is hard, man. This is a, it's a lot harder than I thought it was, you know, just just telling my story. And how is it going to sound? How am I going to put it together? And he, he said, well, why don't we meet up and, you know, you just speak openly and honestly and, and I'll just and I'll just document it and record it. And that was 2016. Um, and at, at the time as I started to tell more about my story and my experiences growing up, I really felt um, like it was like a therapy session. I felt, I felt like it was, I was relieving, relieving a lot of stress and a lot of baggage that I've been carrying. Um, you know, any athlete can tell you, we, we use sports to pretty much, you know, to, to either run away or, or, or shelter us from some of those emotions that, that we might be feeling anxiety, um, you know, all different emotions. We use sport to 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 release and, and to be ourselves. And you know, where environments maybe are not around where we can express our, our true feelings. And I felt that I started to 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 be immersed in my in my own story and, and telling you know my truth. And I had a lot of fun doing it. But at the same time, I was very um, um, I was very conscious of the the reader and the young reader. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of kids out here that could definitely hear this story that need to hear this story because there are a lot of youth going through similar experiences that I'm going through adversity challenges that we all go through in life. You know, we all meet a crossroads in our life where we have to make tough decisions. And some of those impact our, 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 our life, maybe for the negative and also some impact our lives for, for positive. 
So I'm hoping um, this book will will be um, a, a positive influence, motivational tool for, for a lot of people. Dwayne, very specifically, you write about getting shot in the eye as a kid. And, yes. you know, I, I don't want to give away all the stuff that's in this book. There's a lot of great stuff, really interesting stuff. But, like, could you explain what happened with that and how it impacted the entirety of your soccer career? Yeah, well, I, I definitely won't uh, tell you the, the, the details because you can read it in the book, but... <laughs> Um, pretty much. Yes, you're, you're, you're right. And, you know, that was a that was a crucial crossroads in my life. That was that was the turning point that I, that I was just speaking about. And, you know, I had to really reflect on my decisions, who I was hanging around with and how I was conducting myself um, as a young man trying to find my way in, in this in this world. And I realized very quickly here I am with, with, a, with a damaged eye. And as I tell in the story, I'm sitting in the Sky Dome, you know, for a kid, you know, any kid growing up, you know, Sky Dome is the ultimate, you know what I mean? That's where the Blue Jays play, you know, and, and here I am, I can't play because my eye is damaged and I'm looking at people, you know, living out their dreams. And my dad after told me, he said, hey, do you want to be, the question is, you want to be in the stands cheering um, these players on or do you want to be on the pitch where fans are cheering you on? And that put my whole uh, experience in, in perspective. And I was, and I was like, man, I got to make a serious decision with my life right here, right now. And just to be clear here, like I obviously interviewed you a lot during your playing career, Dwayne, like had you talked about the eye thing during your playing career at all? Never, never. Okay. Only one, maybe only one physio that, that I've um, trained with. And that would probably be Bruce, Bruce Morgan with the um, San Jose earthquakes knew about this, but for most part, I never brought it up. Um, as I mentioned in the book, I would cheat through eye exams and stuff like that just to get by because I never wanted that to be a hamper on my on, on my um, career. You know, I never want to say, oh, it's because he has eye. Maybe this is why that's happening. That's why I never want that to, to, to set me back. And um, it was just my thing. It was my own mind. And, and um, I, as well as I didn't want to, to make it public that I that I had that experience. I mean, I just didn't feel com comfortable myself and confident myself to, to share that story at that time. Brendan, could you explain how the process of doing this book worked? How much time did you spend sort of interviewing Dwayne? And did you end up pushing him in any directions that maybe sometimes he was a little hesitant to go in? I mean, I think for Dwayne, as he, as he mentioned, that it became kind of a therapeutic process. I don't think that kind of either of us um, really understood at the time, maybe the, the personal growth that... Um, that would come from from going through the process like that we would meet for an hour maybe 90 minutes sometimes two hours at a time um once a month twice a month um i think that the longer kind of time went on those sessions maybe were a bit, bit uh fewer and farther apart um but in every one of those sessions you know he was just incredibly open and candid um and i i could tell we were we were getting to some really personal things that were certainly difficult to talk about and maybe some things that you know he he was really thinking out loud for the first time um, and we would revisit some of those uh, a few times. Um, but uh, I just, you know, was truly inspired by his story, seeing him as a player. And then working on this project over that time and seeing the growth as the person, I think that's really what makes the book, you know, so special. You get a really complete look. Um, it really did, you know, take us kind of four years to build. And I think that if it was in a different timeline, if it had come out, you know, in 2017, I do think you, you would have got a different book because, um, because do, do, you know, Dwayne and, and myself, you know, kind of both grew as people over the process. So I'm just really thankful that he was he was so open and that the story about the gunshot, um, you know, we'd met the first time we'd met up 
where I'd pitched the idea of doing the book and what, how long I thought it would take, what the process might be like. Um, Dwayne was all for it. And uh, we'd met at a, a mall in the suburbs near where he lived. And he said, oh, I, I just uh, jogged here. I'm like, oh, let me give you a ride back. He's like, yeah, I'm just around the corner. And we drove for like 10 miles to where, <laughs> to, to where Dwayne had lived and, and ran to the mall to meet me at this coffee shop. And so I, I let him out the car and I thought, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be a process. This is going to be amazing. His, his perspective of distance is different from mine. This is going to be great. And then the, uh, the first real session that we did for the book, we met at another coffee shop and we, we, uh, we had met with the intention of doing 40 minutes. I think it was about 90 minutes and, uh, we're just about to, to get to the end of it. I think I, I, uh, was just checking the record and we get to this point in his childhood about this gunshot. And I'd never heard this story before either. I wasn't aware of, of the eye issue. Um, so uh, we, kind of, we finished up that session. Like, okay, uh, chat again. I'm like, yeah, can we chat again in an hour? Can we chat again in, in, tomorrow? I want to do another session. So uh, I was you know, truly excited to, to get into that project and just really happy to be at the finish line here and see people reading it and loving it so far. Dwayne, what would you say were your favorite years in MLS? Man, it's tough. I've been very blessed to have some some great years. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say which one was, was is my favorite. I mean, I had special moments in all the teams. You know, uh, winning uh, my first stint in the MLS with San Jose, um, especially having a Canadian coach, Frank Yallop. And listen, can, you know, Canadians was was not looked at as footballers globally, internationally, right? To have to have myself win the goal, that goal, and Frank be the coach. It was like it was like it was the proudest moment for me, right? Especially coming from 2000 Gold Cup championship with with Canadian national team. So, like it, it was definitely um, a, a very very special time. Um, uh, and then of course our, our relocation to Houston and going back to back there. Uh, my tough decision of, of of transitioning from Houston, a championship team, and going to Toronto and winning Toronto's two trophies back to back. Um, it was special and, you know, going to New York and have a little stint there with, with Thierry Henry. I, however, I still feel if we had kept that team and we would have, we, we would have won MLS, but you know, powers had it be that it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. And then when going to DC and winning their first, um, um, uh, uh, was it U.S. Open cup trophy. Um, so, and then coming back to Toronto again to see Toronto win an MLS cup. So, you know, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to really pick one place because every place was special. Every place the fans received me and, and the organization treated me um, first class. You know, Dwayne, I, I know the Canadian national team, you mentioned it, won the Gold Cup in 2000, and that was big. It's interesting. My sense of the Canadian national team over those years was there were some real individual talents on that team, including you, but maybe the team wasn't always as good as the sum of its parts or the philosophy of how coaches wanted the team to play didn't always mesh with maybe how you wanted to play. Is, is that accurate? To some degree, I, I think more so the support that we were, was lacking from our, from, our, from our organization. We weren't playing enough friendlies. We weren't preparing properly to compete with countries like Costa Rica who have just catapulted uh, uh, far ahead of uh, of us and and other countries in, in Central America that you know or, or sorry we call third world countries but they're finding playing they're playing every FIFA World Cup opportunity um, you know going into a World Cup flat qualifier where 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 we're just showing up for the game and you know teams like Honduras Guatemala Mexico all these teams Costa Rica again 
you know, they already played like five, six friendlies before they play us where we probably pay one or we played one little, you know, or we're playing teams in, in, in Europe, like Spain and Argentina and all these teams that, you know, we're not really developing as a team. We're, we're in, you know, where we look at now um, through this, you know, initial first round of qualifiers for the World Cup, you're playing smaller countries, you're scoring lots of goals, you get to, you get to build confidence, you get to have an understanding of each other. Um, the difference with Canada is, and it's always been, in my humble opinion, is we're playing all over the world. So all the players are adapting different styles, different, different culture of football. And when you bring us all together and you want us to all play in one system, it, it takes time and you need games. You need, you need um, to play against weaker opponents to, to, to gain that confidence with each other, understanding of players' movements and stuff like that, which we didn't have, you know, which other teams um, definitely have. Teams like Honduras and Guatemala um, again, I go back to classified as third, third world countries, but they have striving professional leagues where a lot of these players play. And so they're playing one style of football consistently um, throughout their throughout the year or before a qualifier. So, Brendan, what was the process like for you actually sitting down and writing this book? What did it involve? And was it a big adjustment going from broadcasting to a huge writing project like this? Yeah, uh, TV is my background. Uh, I've you know always been involved in in soccer on television in some capacity over the years. Um, we worked together at Fox, you and I briefly, um, and so to try something completely different, you know, writing for television is nothing like writing books or writing articles. Um, that was a real challenge for me, and something that I, I really wanted to do in my career and try. Uh, my inspiration for that was. Um, one of my co-anchors on Sportsnet Central, uh, Ken Reed, had written a, a, a couple of hockey books, and uh, he had a book launch party and, and said to me kind of jokingly, hey, if you ever write a book about the Bundesliga or whatever, I'll, uh, I'll be at the party. He wasn't a big soccer guy at all, and that was the light for me, like, oh, you know what? Maybe not the Bundesliga, but I should write a book. And Dwayne had recently retired at the time, so I, I sought out Dwayne in doing this project because I knew there was so much more to Dwayne's story that I was personally just curious about to hear if he would if he would allow me the privilege to just hear it. Uh, so to be able to put it into a book like that, as uh, as I said, you know, we would meet. Um, a couple of sessions a month, if we could, and uh, and then it was kind of a, a long proce- process of kind of chipping away at it, finding the best um, way to kind of organize the stories and, and you know tell it out in a really um, uh, colorful way, which which is of course Dwayne's story. So yeah, uh, definitely took took the time to to get the story right, and I'm really happy with the finished product as Dwayne is too. Let's take a quick break from our interview with Dwayne De Rosario and Brendan Dunlop. We are in the season's final days in La Liga, home of the best title race in Europe, and you can stream all the games on Fanatis live and on demand from your favorite device, whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch Copa Libertadores and top leagues from France, Portugal, Turkey, Brazil, and Argentina. Fanatis features channels you know, like BN Sports in English and Spanish, the Women's Soccer Channel, ATA Football, Gold TV, and many more. And it costs as little as $7.99 a month. If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to fntz.co slash grant fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. You know, Dwayne, you tell a crazy story in the book about Celtic and Scotland and, you know, they wanted you when you were with Toronto and then, 
you know, Jurgen Klinsmann of all people who would later want so many American players to leave MLS for Europe blocked your move. Uh, no. and insist. <laughs> oh, no, no. Jurgen Klinsmann actually supported the move. It was Aaron Vinter that blocked the move. Oh, okay. Inter- interesting. Coming to Toronto with this new philosophy and style of play that I obviously couldn't adapt to in my experience that I would need to take a whole preseason to understand. Um, you know, and here I am um, getting the blessings from, um, um, who, who was it again? Uh, from TFC, who was the GM at the time, um, Errol Coch- er, Aaron Cochran, um, going to Celtic and then getting a call from my agent saying, Dero, you're getting blasted all over the internet saying that you, you're, you snuck away to Celtic and you're over there training. I'm like, I, I lost it. You know, I'm just like, how dare they, you know, I sat down at a restaurant with the GM. He gave me the blessings. We spoke to him and now I'm over there and everyone's act playing, playing, you know, dumb to the situation. And, you know, um, the, the coach at the time at Celtic, he really wanted me, but he didn't want any involvement in this. And everyone knows Celtic and these big clubs. You don't just sneak in there and, and train, right? There's fans always at the gate. The media always there trying to get, you know, a little comment or whatever the case is, seeing who's there. And um, it, it was it was very a, a very tough moment, difficult moment, challenging moment, because I really want to stay there. And if you look at that year, Celtic went on to play Barcelona in the Champions League, and I could have been a part of that. And I could have come back to Toronto confident, flying, positive, with a whole bunch of experience that I think the other players would have just fed off of. No, it's it's interesting because, you know, they ended up having to come back to Toronto. You, you There were a few other MLS stars that wanted to leave, felt like, you know, Taylor Twellen tells a similar story. There's a few other ones over the years. Uh, of of the frustrations, um, you know, like in, in terms of that season. So this is 2011. It's still amazing to me that you know you won the 2011 MLS MVP award, even though you played for three MLS teams that year: Toronto, New York Red Bulls, and DC United. What stands out to you the most when you look back at that wild year? Now, um, well, I, that's where I got to kind of tap myself in the shoulder and big myself up a little bit is just dealing with all that adversity, right? I mean, other players you probably see and they would have put their head down and said, you know, this is BS, you know, I can't believe it. I mean, you leave TFC who is now starting to, you know, accept the responsibility an organization accepting responsibility is, Hey, we gotta, we gotta create a winning team. Fans want a winning team. Now Um, we got to change things around, put grass in add on to the stadium, make it just a soccer specific stadium now and just close to the professional team. And then of course you're going, I moved to New York where it's just like the promised land. You know, they have everything. They have Red Bulls Arena, Thierry Henry, Rafa Marquez, Timu. Like our team was stacked, right? Um, and then going to DC who is now kind of figuring themselves back up, back out, you know, RFK stadium. Are we going to relocate? Are we going to, are we going to get our own stadium? Um, ben Olsen, my, a, a, a guy my age that I have compete against is now is now my coach. But you know what? We had a great relationship with, with, with had a great relationship with Ben, and he he said, "Dear, listen, I just want you to come here and play your game. Just do your thing. Where do you want to play? How do you how do you see yourself fitting in this team?" And you know, anyone that knows me, I take my craft very serious. Um, before I was before I, any team I go to, I said, you know, send me videotapes. I want to see. 
you know, so I could study the guy's movements and, and kind of see how I, how I could fit in. And I went there hungry. I went there to prove all those teams, what they, what they've lost and what, what they're willing to, to sacrifice and give up. And um, I think I, I think that year I was the first athlete um, to ever accomplish something like that. Yeah, just an incredible season that you had in 2011 there, among many other ones too. Uh, Brendan, were you nervous at all when Dwayne got the book manuscript and read it for the first time? Yeah, I was. I definitely was nervous. Um, Dwayne was great through, throughout the whole process. As I said, you know, uh, I think if we had a different timeline and kind of balancing the TV, TV work life for me, um, it maybe it took a, l- a little longer than, than both of us wanted, I think. But, uh, Dwayne was kind of great through the review process and, um, you know, the things that were truly important to him about his childhood, be it, um, you know, making sure I got the intersections right, making sure that, uh, that there was, a, you know, real detail for even if it was only 10 people who got the reference that, you know, it really mattered to him for those, you know, 10 people got the reference to something specific that that meant something to Dwayne uh, in that moment. So, yeah, I would say I, I was nervous, um, you know, to see to see that the finished product was something that Dwayne was was happy with and confident about and. And, you know, whatever might come from it, whatever questions or, or ruffled feathers there might be that, uh, you know, Dwayne was happy and content with it. But, um, yeah, he was great throughout that whole process. And I think the balance kind of worked out with my with my process of I would finish working um, Sportsnet Central at two, three in the morning. And for whatever reason, have all the juices and I would write the majority of the book between two and nine a.m. So oftentimes he would get an email at nine a.m. And uh, he would reply, and I wouldn't reply until two when I woke up. <laughs> so he was uh, he was great through all that process for sure. It, it, nice. it was quite it was quite an amazing experience because you know during this during this time is my my father was very sick, I had cancer, and I was I was I was dealing with him and, and driving him to the hospital almost every other day, pretty much. Um, you know, Brandon was in the process of getting married, so there's so many things going on in our personal lives and where, where we would be like, you know, I know Brandon, sometimes we'd be pulling his hair like, dude, I need to know this. And right down to the last hour, you know, change this. I need this name in there. I need this, you know, I need you to fix that. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me go back to them. This picture needs to be in there. This needs. So there's so much details that go behind the scenes of, of putting together this, but I really wanted to um, be a full representation of, of, of my experience. And, and, um, thankfully I was able to, um, the universe connect me with Brandon, who was, who, you know, who did an amazing job, man. Like I, I can't speak any more highly of, of, of what he was able to, to put together and how he captured my story in such an amazing way and how he put it together in, in that book. Well, at least we we don't have a situation here like with Charles Barkley when he did his memoir and said he was misquoted in his own book. So congrats on that, guys. Didn't have that situation. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, the thing is, that's the thing, right? If you don't follow up, it could easily happen, right? Uh, just because you can imagine the writer, Brendan, poor guy, like he's trying to put together, trying to remember everything. And, you know, we recorded a lot of the sessions and, and you know, I'm a guy, I'm not, I'm not, I'm very open. Like I, I, I don't read much, you know, until I've actually got my book. So he, he would have his wife narrate, narrate to me and I'll sit down there and just have my headphones on and just listen to the story and be like, no, that's wrong. You need to fix this, fix that. And he's like, you know, so he's trying to put all these pieces together. Uh, and like I said, if, if you don't follow up, that could easily happen. I, I do owe my wife, uh, Elena Wako, a, a, a lot of thanks for helping me through this process. And that was one of the things I realized that Dwayne was just spending so much time in the car 
you know, I'm sending him 5,000 words or 10,000 words at a time. Uh, he was just, he was in the car for hours and hours a day, Uber dad. And so I just had the idea of like, well, if I do it in my voice, he might, he will hear my voice. So how about a completely different gender and a totally different voice? And, uh, it was a lot easier to listen to. (laughs) Absolutely. I knew that I wanted to make it as easy as possible. So yeah, I owe, I owe Elena a a huge thanks for that. Um, so Dwayne, you write in your book about how it was tough for you after you retired as a player. Uh, can you explain a little of what you experienced? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very open, especially right now. Thankfully, the leagues are doing uh, are focusing a lot more into players' retirement and what happens after a player retires. You know, you look at the NBA, you see frightening numbers, NFL frightening numbers of, you know, guys going bankrupt, guys getting into drugs, guys abusing, you know, their wives or their, their, their you know, and, and people don't realize that when you use sport as an outlet um, it, 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 and then you have to face day-to-day life as a, as a regular human being, all those experiences that you've been running from come back to you. Right. And, and you, and if you don't know how to manage it and handle it, it could be, it could be detrimental um, as it was in my personal life. And I, and I've very openly expressed that because there's so many athletes that after they're finished and because we're so proud and fans, we've created such a, a view of ourselves. We're afraid. We're afraid to, to step out and we're afraid to speak up because we don't want to people to look at us anywhere or, or people to judge, judge us, um, you know, or in, in any way that could affect our, our, our growth as, as human beings, as men, as, as, as husbands or whatever the case is. And, and I just felt it was important for me to share that story because a lot of athletes like myself, um, find retirement very difficult. I mean, I've spoken to many um, athletes that I've played with that, that retired and them too, you know, I, I found, found that transition very difficult, very, very, very hard, depressing, um, you know, and, and people talk a lot about mental health and stuff like that. And, you know, the challenges that we have to deal with mentally, when you know you have to get up and train and every week you train for that match and that's gone. So it's like, what am I, what am I kind of living for now? What's, what's my new purpose in life? What do I do? um, with, with myself now. And thankfully I was able to, you know, hear some positive advice from some mentors of mine and start my foundation and, 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 um, start my academy and figure out ways where I could make better use of my time. And, you know, thanks to Tim Laiwiki, who I mentioned in the book, providing that um, opportunity to, to still have me close to the game that I love, um, as ambassador for Toronto FC. Dwayne, when you see MLS today and compare it to when you played in the league, what are your thoughts? as a, as just as a whole. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's amazing how much it's continuously growing. And I, and I knew that, I, I think I've, I was very open in saying in 2008, seven, um, six, that in 2020 MLS would be one of the top leagues in the world. And I, and I'm very confident that it, that it is right now with, with how, how much it's growing now with the Academy structure in place and seeing kids having a clear, realistic pathway, inner city kids like myself now having opportunity because you don't have to pay to be a part of these academies. Um, it, it's fantastic. Um, there's, there's a lot more athletes than there is, I think footballers, however. Um, but, but I think that comes with the development and that comes with the football culture, which is now being embraced in America as part of a, an American sport. And I'm hoping that, that same acceptance could could cross over to the border into Canada because there's room for it. Brendan or even both of you, what's the public response been so far to the book? 
It's been great. I, I've been really happy to to hear from people like you, uh, who I've read and respect, uh, who have read the book and just felt like they couldn't put it down. So that to me was the 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 best compliment. That and uh, the people who who know me well and thought, oh, he's a real TV guy. He's really going to write a book here. Like, how how is this going to work? Write a book with Dwayne. The, the best compliment is, is that the only you know thought they have of me is in the front cover. They're they're hearing you know Dwayne's voice and Dwayne's words. So I'm I'm really happy with the reaction so far. Yeah, Dwayne, what kind well. of, yeah, what kind of response have you got? Your feedback has been very positive. Um, you know, a lot of players that I play with call me and goes, dude, I didn't like I played with you almost your whole career and I didn't know half the shit that you went through, you know. And, and you know, like, man, I didn't I knew you're like a, a, a warrior because I see like, you know, on the field, you'd always like anytime the scuffles, like I'll be always in the first one and always ready to defend my team at all costs. And, um, you know, just just having that kind of feedback and, and, and people in my community, too. Um, some of the, some of the people I mentioned in the book, when they, when they saw their names, it felt, you know, really, really happy and grateful that I me- I mentioned, you know, and the Scarborough community are, are very, ever so pleased, I think with, with putting this for me, putting this together, West Indian Caribbean community, because we have a big part to play in the development of soccer in North America. And, and I just really want to, to, to let people know, um, our story and, and our, um, our footprint in, in this sport, in sports in general, and the growth of, of, of this, of, of America and Canada, and for, for that fact. I'll say this, Grant, that one thing that I've heard a lot from people is that they knew that, you know, Dwayne was a, a big name in MLS, obviously a Canadian soccer icon, but their perspective of him is, could be very limited to just his Toronto FC days. Um, you know, we live in a world now where you, you and I can watch every single LeBron James game, every Kevin Durant game, every Messi game, Christian Pulisic game. That wasn't the case when, when Dwayne was with San Jose and Houston. And so in Canada, you really only got to see a few of the big games, maybe only MLS Cup final. Um, and then on the highlight shows, James Sharman on Sports World, uh, you know, if it was MLS, it was Dwayne. He was a human highlight reel. So you ha- kind of had this really limited view of his kind of greatness and impact in the league. And so to see him named the uh, greatest 25, I know a lot of Canadians were very, very proud of that. But some Canadians also, you know, were curious as to, well, what was that time like before Toronto FC? I want to learn more about this. So I hope that they can get a lot of that in the book because uh, I definitely did hear in those stories about the great California Classicos and all that. Totally random question, Dwayne. Has anyone ever asked you to do the shake and bake goal celebration like in everyday life on the street? All, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, in, fact, in fact, I'm in Miami here and um, I did uh, a signing at Parkland. Um, obviously, we know, we know the Parkland story and, and the tragedy that happened here. And so it, for me, it was very important to because my book, you know, could, could relate to some some of these kids that went through that, that tragic incidents and how they can use that to, for a positive, um, out, out, you know, use sport as a, as a positive release. But, um, you know, when I got there, they're like, oh, Nero. And they're doing the shake. They're doing the shake. And I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, you got it. You got it. And, and for me, for me, like, you know, we're. As Brandon says, you know, we played a different generation to, to see a 10 year old or an eight year old or 11 year old do that, you know, makes me feel proud, you know, that that I was able to to um, to create special moments that, you know, kids in this generation still could look at and say, wow, that, that, that was a that was a good moment. The book is called Dero My Life. It is terrific. You should read it. I've read it. Uh, and I think it'll, it's a quick page turner that uh, will engross you. Uh, Dwayne D. Rosario, Brandon Dunlop, congrats on everything. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Grant. And keep up the great work you're doing, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate this, Grant. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Dwayne De Rosario and Brendan Dunlop, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. Thank you.